Welcome to Genesis 37. This is week eight, day two, and Genesis 37, it begins one of my favorite sections of the book of Genesis. Primarily, the book of Genesis contains the stories of four men, a man who believed, Abraham, a man who dug wells, Isaac, a man who struggled, Jacob, and finally, a man who dreamed, a man by the name of Joseph, the son of Jacob. The lives of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph are recorded for us in Genesis 12 to 50, and they cover a period of 345 years. If historians have this right, it's, it's 2160 to 1815 BC. All four of these men are mentioned in Hebrews 11, the hall of fame of faith. They're all about how to live a life of faith. In my life, in your life, we all need to learn from them. We need to learn from Abraham how to live a life of faith. Isaac, how to live a life of being in second place. Jacob, how to live a life when you struggle and wrestle with God. And from Jacob, we have to learn how to live out the dream of God in our lives. Every one of us, we need to be directed by principles, driven by purpose, and energized by a dream. You need all three. You need to be directed by principles, driven by purpose, and energized by a dream. If all you have is principles... You become just a Pharisaic rule keeper. There's nothing else to your life. You're not headed anywhere. If all you have is purpose, you don't care what direction you take to get there. You're going to get the job done. You're going to get your purpose done instead of God's purpose done. And either of those, principles and purpose without a dream, that leaves you without the energy for living daily life. You need a dream to motivate your life. You might know what's right to do, but without the motivation of a dream, you're not going to do it. We're going to talk about dreams these next few weeks together, and some of you need to listen to God speaking a new dream into your life, a dream that's beyond the present that you're living right now. Some of you, many of you need to recognize the dream that's already there, that's right around you. You're raising kids right now. God's giving you the privilege of being a parent. There is a dream in that of what God wants to do in and through your life. You need to begin to see it. And who better to teach us about dreams than Joseph? Joseph's life is like a a five-act play in many ways, with a costume change in each act. He goes from son to slave to prisoner to ruler to patriarch to wearing the multicolored coat of a son to the rags of a slave to the garb of a prisoner to the finery of a ruler, to the faith-filled garb of a patriarch. Joseph's life is all about dreams and how God wants to work dreams into your life. And as our story opens, we find that Joseph is just a 17-year-old kid living in the town of Hebron. He's got his 11 brothers and one sister there with him. It's a story about, about how dreams begin, how they're developed, how they're realized, and how they live. It's going to take the rest of the book of Genesis to tell it, and the story doesn't begin too well. Listen to what happens in Genesis chapter 37, beginning in verse 2. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made him a richly ornamented robe, When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him, and they would not speak, they could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. 
We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. And then he had another dream and he told his brothers, Listen, I had another dream and this time the sun and the moon and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and all your brothers actually come and bow down before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept this matter in mind. So there's the dream. There's what's happening because of this dream. And in verse 12, in verse 12, here's the motivation in the brother's life that comes from that dream. Now his brothers had gone out to graze their father's flocks near Shechem, and Israel came to Joseph. As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I'm going to send them, send you to them. Very well, he replied. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to one another. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of those cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him, and then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Down in verse 23, So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe that he was wearing, and they took him and they threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty, there was no water in it, and they sat down to eat their meal. They looked up and they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took him to Egypt. And then down in verse 32, they took the ornamented robe back to their father and said, We found this. Examine it to see whether it was your son's robe. They'd taken it and they dipped it in blood. He recognized it and he said, It is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. And then Jacob tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and mourned for his son many days. In these verses, you see what happens when somebody gets a dream. Joseph was a very different man from his father Jacob. Jacob was the schemer. Joseph was the dreamer. But they both started out very immature, not knowing how to handle the way that God had designed them. Jacob was the schemer. Joseph was the dreamer. All of us can relate to Jacob. We all have our own schemes. We all want to be in control. And all of us are inspired by Joseph. Jacob is where we are. Joseph is where we'd like to be, a dreamer with a dream from God. But he doesn't know what to do with that dream. So in getting the dream, the first step to the dream is getting the dream. And in this step, the reaction to the dream is Joseph shares it at the wrong time, too early to the wrong people. Be careful with the dream when God gives it to you. Don't share it too early. Don't share it with the wrong people. And adding fuel to that fire, Jacob loved Joseph more. He gave him this beautiful robe. He's just repeating the pattern of his family, the younger son being loved more. Even as Jacob had been loved above Esau, now Joseph is being loved above all the other brothers. Joseph shared the dream at the wrong time, and Jacob, his father, rebuked the dream. Now, Jacob had had two dreams of his own from God, but he struggled with the fact that his own son had these dreams because he didn't like what it was saying. 
But at least you can see the faith in Jacob's life. At least the Bible says he kept the matter in mind. He had a sense that God was doing something, even though he pushed back against it. The brothers had nothing of that. Their response to the dream, they hated the dreamer. That often happens. The dreamer is hated. They don't push back against the dream. They push back against you. Joseph shared the dream at the wrong time. Jacob rebuked the dream. The brothers hated the dreamer. Here's the interesting thing. Of these three, which of these three is used the most of God in accomplishing Joseph's dream in chapter 37? It's the brothers. It's the brothers that sell him to get to Egypt where the dream is going to be accomplished. It's amazing to me how powerful God is. He can use even the worst that Satan throws at us to get us where he wants us to be. God's, a, God's an all-powerful God. Now, in this getting of the dream, Joseph immediately goes into the testing of the dream. Dreams are always going to face tests. And Joseph's dream immediately faced the three tests of denial and doubt and destruction. Denial. People deny that you even have a dream. They deny you have a dream because they don't have any dreams of their own. They're afraid. They don't want any dreams of their own. They're, they're disappointed that life hasn't worked out as they, as they wanted. And so he faced denial. He faced doubt. He faced people who doubted that the dream was real. Hatred, questions, rebuke, all the forms that doubt can take. He also faced seeming destruction. They tried to destroy the dream. Here comes this dreamer. We'll put him in this cistern. We'll sell him to the Egyptians. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. This is a great family. This is the nation of Israel that's going to grow out of this family. But as we read about it here, it's just a little bit dysfunctional, wouldn't you say? First they say, let's kill our brother. Oh, no, we shouldn't do something so evil. Let's sell him instead. And then to the many colors of this coat, they add one more, blood red. And they lie to their father and say he's dead. Sold into slavery. Can you imagine anything further from being a ruler? God could. We'll see next week. Joseph is put in this place where it seems as if he's as far as possible from the fulfillment of his dream. Does that make any sense to you? Wouldn't God just incrementally get us closer and closer to the dream he has for us? Why, why would he put us as far as possible from the dream? This is the life of faith. This is a dream facing a test. Why do dreams face tests to provide answers? How do I know whose dream it is? That's the answer that I'm going to find out in that test. Is it my dream? Or is it God's dream? Is it my idea or is it God's idea? That's the answer that's going to come out of the test. Let's take a few minutes together to talk to Jesus Christ. And as we talk to him, just pray two simple prayers. First say, Jesus, give me a dream. Give me a dream that's from you. I have so many thoughts in my mind, so many ideas. Give me a dream that's from you. But then when it comes, help me to know that you're going to test that dream. And, and help me to have faith that the testing of the dream does not mean it's not your dream. It's just a way of affirming that it's your dream. So even in the test, even in the denial and the doubt and the seeming destruction, when I seem as far away as possible from the dream that I had of what you wanted to do, help me to look to you and once again ask, God, is this your dream? I ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.